0: Tracy, the first question I have for you, besides how are you, is do I call you T-Mac or do you hate
1: being called T-Mac and you just go with it? I just go with it. It, it's, it doesn't matter. Well, I've been, I, I mean, honestly, I've been called T-Mac all my life, so even when I was a kid. Right. Well, Tracy, I'll call you Tracy
0: today. Uh, we were connected to talk about the Ones Basketball League, the OBL. How long was it from going, I want to do this? To it actually launching with the successful first event that you just had?
1: So, back in August is when the thought came to me. Um, up late one night, and I got my information way before that because I have two sons. And just listening to them, listen to my AU guys talk. It's all about one-on-one basketball. It's all about short-form content. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting my information for, from them. And then in August, man, I, I, it just came to mind. I, I want to create a one-on-one league. So I called a few of my buddies. I called my business manager. And we started putting the pieces together. And I and, you know, started in, you know, visioning what it would look like. And we just start putting the pieces together, going out, hiring this person, hiring that person. And we just had our first one last weekend. And I must say that I'm I'm really pleased with what I, I witnessed. Hmm.
0: Who was your number two with this organization? Because obviously you're the face out front and you know how to delegate. Are you allowed to say who's working with you on it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I went out and my CEO who's spearheading this project is Jeffrey Pollack. And Jeffrey is. Been in the business world um, with alongside of Vince McMahon. Um, worked on the World Series Poker, David Stern. So he's to me like the Michael Jordan of the business world. He's a spearhead of uh, this league for me. Um, I have a production company that I hired, H- Heart and Hustle, who's been doing a, a fabulous job of really uh, bringing it to life and, and what it looks like on camera and on digital. Um, I have a digital creator who's actually a friend of mine for over 15 years. We we met you know, in Miami and we always talked about doing some business together and what that would look like, never could really put anything together. And I, he was one of the first persons I called about the idea and we just started putting this together. So that's Lyle Bowen, one of my friends from Florida. Um, he's my digital uh, creator. And I, I mean, the championship team, mm-hmm. you know, is what I'm more proud of what I put together, you know, to, to help me build this up. And then Joe Faberito, you know, my media guy. Like, I couldn't be, you know, in this position without those guys. So, mm-hmm. you know, I owe, I owe a lot to them. The NBA that I grew up with was
0: just on television because the internet was in its early days. Then over time, the NBA got better with the internet. And then before you know it, apps and people are like, 10 people are watching the games 10 different ways. Now you starting up a sports related league or sports league, whatever you want to call it in 2022, it's a different world to say the least. So is TV, the
1: biggest part of it or is it just one of the parts for the eventual distribution of it no it's one of the parts i mean because i I think we can live on social as well um live stream tv is definitely one part of it and i think this product belongs on tv and prime time at that um what i saw sunday it it blew my expectations away Mm -hmm. i didn't think it will be that entertaining, but it really was, right? And, 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 and the perception of one-on-one basketball to most people is that it's boring. <laughs> I think the model that yeah. we, I think the model that we've created, in terms of like the rules and the regulations that we have with OBL, it is perfect. Like you've left. You left the venue Sunday wanting more. And we were there for two and a half hours, but you wanted more. And it didn't seem like two and a half hours. And when my wife and when my business manager, the two people that don't watch basketball, don't watch sports, say they wanted more, I know I'm on to something. We are on something, right, Darren? When you get the information from, you know, people that can care less about watching an NBA game or watching any type of sporting event, then you know you're on to something. And then the kids. The Gen Zers, mm-hmm. they're not wanting to sit down and watch two and a half hours of an NBA game. Definitely not. They there's right. nothing they want to do for two and a half hours, Listen, not just sports. These kids that were in there were engaged. They were locked in and right. they wanted more. It was so much fun for them. Some of these kids are actually flying to Atlanta this weekend because that's how much they loved it. And You know, you just got to follow the kids, man. You get your information from the kids. So here we are. Yeah.
0: Growing up, watching tons and tons of NBA. The NBA was my number one before I became a music guy. But the old joke about the NBA was that, like, give each team 100 points and then give them two minutes. And then there's the game. There's the excitement. I think that you're kind of shaving away that boredom because those two players on the court actually have to try the whole time.
1: So, I'm glad you said that. I just had this conversation on the last call. NBA I, I love I love basketball. I love NBA sure. basketball. I don't want to I don't want to watch whether it's playoffs, whether it's its, it's finals. I don't want to watch an NBA game and it's a 25-30 point lead. I'm not watching it. Right? Like I I just don't want to watch a blowout and you you're stuck with that. Well, in OBL, if there's a 9 to 3 blowout in a game, that game is over with on to the next one brings another intriguing, you know, process to, uh, to, to, to the game of of basketball. That first matchup is done. Now we have another one coming, which adds another excitement and a a level of intriguingness to uh, the matchup. And that's why I love this. Every, every matchup is intriguing and it's, it's quick. It's, you know, and it's really a platform to, display your your array of, of, of skill set uh, on the basketball court that, you know, maybe you got you hold back in a five on five structured um, player. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't know once the OBL finds its way
0: into the sports betting apps, I would have no idea who to bet on because it's possible that just that person's having off dates all in on that one player. So there's an unpredictability element that we get in this, that we wouldn't mm-hmm. get in other sports. Did you know that from the beginning or is that once you started putting it together, you realized how unpredictable it all was?
1: No, I, I know how unpredictable it can be. Um, any man can lose on any given mm-hmm. day. It's, it's all about who, who has the, it's all about matchups, who has the hot hand, right? Mm-hmm. And, I may be able to de- defend you better than I can the next guy because he just might has, have an unorthodox type style that I haven't, I can't adapt to on the fly like that. So um, I was well aware of that. And I think that's what brings a level of excitement and just, you know, the unknown to this league. Yeah. How far ahead are you thinking though? Because some
0: people as entrepreneurs, they have a 10 year plan and other people now I can plan, 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 but one thing can change this whole thing. So I'm not thinking more than a year in
1: advance. I'm thinking five years from now. And where I'm thinking uh, is definitely beyond being domestic, Mm -hmm. right? I'm I'm thinking of establishing what the model is for OBL here in North America, Mm -hmm. taking this model globally. Mm -hmm. So I'm five years down the line of where I think we can be. And being that committed to all that, does that leave almost no
0: time for other entrepreneurial endeavors that everything goes on the OBL, that you're not chasing a book, you're not chasing a reality show, nothing like that. There's no DJ
1: career. OBL is my life. It's my life. It's the legacy that I really want to leave behind because creating this, it's not just one-on-one basketball, so many arms that I wanna attach to OBL. And I'll just give you two. I wanna, you know, at some point create OBL academies, right, mm. for the youth. And I wanna create a tech, a tech arm to this. Like it, it could be endless, right? And I think I have hired the right team to help me build this up. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 ex- I'm inspired and, and excited about some of the conversations that I had with my team of where we see this fitted. Cool. Well, three quick
0: questions, topics, and then I'm going to let you go because the whole world wants to speak to Tracy today. And the first one comes from a fan slash podcaster, Patrick Fitzpatrick, Some Days Off podcast, which is really about training and diet and long-term success as an athlete. And he was curious as a big-time fan of yours that... You have had one of the greatest careers that you could have had in basketball. You accomplished pretty much anything anyone would want to, but there were a lot of injuries in there. And he's wondering if, in hindsight, there's anything you would have done differently for your training or diet, knowing what you know now, to have kept a couple more years in the NBA.
1: No, I, I don't think my training or dieting had anything to do with it. I was one of the, the best in shape guys. You, to, to do what I did for the amount of seasons, you got to be in great shape. Right, because it's it's tough to go out and do what I did and not be in shape. So (laughs) I think uh, it it some of the best you guys. It's just injuries, man. It's part of the game, right? And for me, because I had back problems, I had even before my career, I I had a a slight case of scoliosis. So that's why I had back problems, and I don't even know if people uh, know that. That's why you know uh, my career got cut short because. Of course, I had the back problems. Then from the back problems came the knee problems. So we could, I, I could do all the necessary things in, in terms of training. Um, but, you know, body structure-wise, it, was just, it wasn't in the plans for me to be like LeBron James right now. <laughs> Uh, hey, success
0: is success, and yeah. you're a successful person. Uh, related to what you just said, question two, did anyone ever try and get you to do DDPY, uh, Diamond Dallas Page's DDP yoga program, going, hey, the back injuries, athletic guy, famous athlete,
1: DDPY? I tried, I tried it towards the end of my career, but by that time, you know, I was cooked, because a fork was stuck in me uh, by the time I tried that, but yeah, I, I gave it a shot. Did I like it? No, but did I like what it did for my body? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, I had microfracture surgery and I just don't think any of that was gonna help me get back to the player that I was. Right, well, the last question I
0: got for you, when you have control of the radio or Spotify or however you're listening to music, what's your go-to for like having a great day? Who are some of those favorite artists?
1: Uh, Jay-Z is my all-time favorite artist. Um, You know, I I listen to a lot of music, Um, whether it's, you know, when I'm on a relaxing day with my wife, I go to some R&B, which mostly I listen to late 80s, early 90s R&B. That's that's what I listen to a lot. Uh, When you say late 80s, early 90s, are we talking new Jack Swing stuff
0: or... Shy not-
1: or like what kind of stuff? Oh, okay, you know, well, shy. Okay, yeah. I'm talking about shy. I'm talking Teddy. Howard. I'm talking Adina Howard. Okay, I mean, like that that type of music. Yeah, Keith Sweat, R. Kelly. I mean, yeah, the R. Kelly thing. <laughs> it is what it is. is. Cause I, I, I respect I respect the art. I don't respect everything else, but the art I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I listen to.
0: Great taste. Well, thank you for your time. Looking forward to seeing OBL. I know it's coming to Chicago and Atlanta and New York in the near future. Really. It's wonderful to see an alternative to what we see on television done by smart people. So fingers crossed for you.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you. And thank you for having me on your
0: platform. Thomas and Nicole. The first question I have is Thomas. Candace called you T.J. Do people call you T.J.? Is that a real thing?
2: Oh, yeah, I suppose it is. I, I think more on set because as an actor, they're always calling your name. And there is, you know, Thomas is, is, you know, every other guy on set's named Tom or Thomas or Tommy. So T.J. became sort
0: of my call sign. And Nicole, you call him T.J. or are you still at the Thomas level?
3: No, I mean, I didn't I didn't really ask for permission. I think I was calling him T.J., I like T.J., but it depends if I'm angry. Uh-huh. Like,
0: <laughs> I get it. I get it. So, Nicole, how much work was needed for this kind of role? Because you've played all sorts of roles, but this is actually coming from a novel. And most of the things that you worked on were not originally books.
3: Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I, I approached it in a similar way, I think. I think. It's important to like. I, I wanted to honor the script and honor Amanda written on the page, but I also wanted to make her my own and trust that they'd cast the right person and that that they saw something specific in me uh, and to and to trust that and to kind of go with that. Uh, and so uh, once we started, I kind of forgot about. I had to forget about the book and just trust in mm. what we what we were doing and right. and hope that you know that it landed um, and. Obviously, like in Australia, in Australia we've aired. We've got. We went to air uh, eight weeks ago now, and so I've been able to see the reaction from uh, from the the audience, the fans of the novel, and it's been so like overwhelmingly positive. Like I didn't look like the Amanda in the book, and so I right. was a bit worried about how they would have, like if they would approve, and they did. They they loved it, which has been yeah. really really nice. And, uh-
2: <laughs> One of the major changes uh, from page to screen was that in the, in the book, and Candace Fox lives in Sydney, uh, and all of her characters were Australian. You know, everything, the only thing we changed was having an American uh, be living in Sydney, working as a detective, married to an Australian woman, but, and then, and then, but still a fish out of water. And I think it enhanced the fish out of water um, aspect of, of that character.
0: Now, following up on that one, TJ, cause I'm going to keep calling you TJ here. Um, <laughs> you have had a lot of success in the past couple of years since launching your production company with Courtney, very prolific company. Was the goal from day one, when you entered entertainment to be a producer and producing your own projects?
2: Yeah, that's a good question, uh, too. Uh, yes. You know, I, mean, I think there's a lot of back doors into this industry and a lot of people come at it from from different angles to get their foot in the door. And mine was as an actor, you know, and not that I don't, I love acting and I love character, but you know, more than that, or on top of that, I love storytelling and having the opportunity to do exactly what we're doing, which is shepherd uh, a wonderful novel from page to screen. That's a producer's job and we rate our success or failure on how on the reactions of people who are fans of the original material and our own sense of judgment about is what I loved about this story being translated to screen. You know, mm-hmm. I, I love that. I love because I know how powerful a good story uh, can be for a human being. You know, a good story can really change your life in some ways or reveal aspects of life that, you had no knowledge of before and that actually enrich your life. I believe in the power of storytelling. And so it's an honor and a privilege to be able to do that. And
0: then Nicole, before I let you both go, do you have aspirations to produce besides starring in great productions?
3: I have aspirations to direct uh, and write for sure. Uh, There's a couple of things I'm working on at the moment. I think think acting lends itself to directing quite easily, not easily, but like, I like working with a director who likes working with an actor. Wow. Uh, and there's, there's something really nice about, like before my acting took off, I was running like a uh, self-tape studio and like helping other actors kind of get to where they needed to get to. And I loved that. Like I just loved well, working one cool. on one and being, you know, ha- being trusted with the story and seeing it all the way through from the other side of the lens. So yeah, I definitely have aspirations.
0: Awesome. Looking forward to that whenever that happens. Thank you both for your time and congratulations on the great series.
2: Hey, thank you. Thank you, Darren. Appreciate that. Tom, good afternoon
0: for me. Is it good, good evening for you? Are you it's on good Monday, e-
4: It's good evening for me, yeah. Um, do you know what, man? It's, you're the first person I've been able to see on the video, so it's nice to see your face, I have to say. Um, it's good evening here. It's raining, unfortunately, in London, but aside from that, everything's cool. How are you, man? You good?
0: I'm good because I'm talking to the star of Shepard, uh, you know, simple as that. But my wife is a diehard fan of a d- Discovery of Witches. She read the books, then she saw you as Kip Marlowe, etc. So it's a real pleasure to connect. And *Shepherd* looks like it's a real artistic, hard project for you to do. As in like, I don't go, hey, Eric Black, Tom, same guy. Am I way off on that?
4: No. No, you're not way off at all. Um, but I, 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 felt there was. You, no, no, you're not. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. The last thing I would ever do to myself is take myself to a, an isolated island with my dog and, and decide to live there. So no, we're very different people. Um, but there's a thrill in that I think, as an actor, obviously, that like, your job is to is to step into someone else's shoes and. Um, and there was something about Eric that resonated with me, and there was an honesty, I think, in the way that Russell mapped out the story and told that story that I just thought was uh brave, actually, and and, and incredibly, uh, it, it, I could feel it. It was tangible, and and I, and I felt quite necessary to tell that story, and, and um, and also I was very excited to be stepping into a genre that not only have I never done before, but I, I if I'm honest, I don't really. I, it's not really the genre that I know a lot about and I felt like that would be exciting to learn about it from the inside out and also as an actor you know you rely on certain things you bounce off people you you connect with people I, I knew I was stepping into an environment that apart from a couple of days I had no one and that that was probably naively from my side but that was quite um an exciting challenge so so no Eric's very different to me but it was it was to say it was a pleasure to bring him to life we're kind of I have to mitigate that with obviously if, you, if you're going to try and make that resonate and feel real you kind of go through some of it you know but um you know I, I feel very privileged to have had the opportunity to bring him to life for sure. In preparation of a
0: role that's so different from you you know the marital status situation on top of the where it is that you're going in the profession are you the kind of actor that then goes okay time for me to speak to a shepherd and you go method in that end
4: no no I mean it's it's no but then but then I think you do what I think is right for you as an actor to get you in the place that you can be the most open and the most alive doesn't always work but you try and 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 in a place that can connect because fundamentally our job is to be a vessel isn't it We take the story and we are the vessel that passes it to you and and so for me I actually you know some people will write like five books of backstory I I don't I don't really annotate my my script my script is pure it's pristine it never gets touched It, it kind of that's golden in a way for me and but I do do a lot of research and I do do a lot of reading, you know, and and things that are kind of more, I guess, more physical reading, obviously is inspiring the intellect, but I'll, I'll listen to a lot of music. I'll find music that I feel gets me in the the energy that resonates with what I think I need to get to. And it's perhaps, I don't know, think more tactile, I guess, my research in that respect, things that, that kind of resonate the body a bit. Um, and then when I'm on set, you know, like, everyone was allowed to call me tom you know what i mean like it's not like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't have to call me eric like it's cool but there's definitely an element of i try i try to cheat as little as i can so i, I took myself to a i moved to a different hotel on the island we were on the island for six weeks so i moved to a hotel that was miles away from anyone no one from the crew was staying there and i had a window that looked over the sea and the weather would be against it and just try to put my body through the experience of feeling that isolation as much as I could. But, but no, I, I wouldn't say it's method per se, if you know what I mean. You just mentioned music, huge music person over
0: here. What are some of the artists or which are some of the artists grammatically correct right there that you would listen to, to go, okay, time to focus here.
4: It's really interesting, isn't it? Because like it changes for me on every job. And actually it can be the most ridiculous thing. It can be, it can kind of, Sometimes, because it's about, I think, getting my body into the state. sometimes it could be quite contradictory. So I I remember, like, I did a thing years ago for the BBC that came out on BBC America called The Game. Mm I just listened to to Polythene Pan by The Beatles over and over again, and they have no relevance at all for The Game. But I think on this, there was, you know, there was a lot of Rage Against the Machine, which is kind of a bit obvious, but there was. And there was actually an incredible amount of techno, and I can't really tell you why. I think there was something about the beat something about you know and it would vary a lot of early 90s dance actually i think it just kind of it's something about the heartbeat of it and it changed and and also you know when you're freezing cold and you're and you're in a yeah you are on the island you kind of if you find it and it, you've got to wait two hours to, to to land that again and, and there was yeah. something about the repetitiveness and also i think that actually and i've never really analyzed this before but i think Part of what Eric is going through is that he, he was, he was a bit on, kind of on a loop, dealing with his guilt and dealing with, with all of those things and was trapped in that. And there's something again, I guess, about that music. But Rage Against the Machine would be the one that to hang your hat on, yeah, for sure. Rage never gets old in this
0: household, let's yeah. face it. it is timeless yeah. music that no one knew was timeless music. Just don't listen to Tom Morello's band before Rage Against the Machine. Have
4: you ever seen the video of R.A.G.E. playing live when they're at school together? Yeah, yeah. Oh like California God. State, Fullerton or something like that? Oh, my, like my God. Yeah. That, I mean, they're, they're incredible then, you know. Anyway, totally. anyway I, I digress. I digress. So
0: the... Currency of the entertainment industry for better and for worse is IMDB. So whenever I'm speaking with an actor, I always realize, oh, this new project is like three projects ago at least. Um, so I see you're filming an upcoming series, The English. Is that correct or is that fake news?
4: No, it's correct. Um, filming is fake news. We've already filmed it, but um, uh, it is correct. Yeah, that, we did that last year. So that will be coming out. Um, on Amazon and I, I think in, on the BBC in the UK, I'm not, I'm not sure, I guess Amazon in America. Um, yeah, that was great, man, that was wicked. I, I can't say too much about it, but it was, um, it was amazing, an amazing cast and, and Hugo Blick, who I think is fantastic, wrote and directed it, so it was a, a real privilege to work with him. Um, yeah, it was cool, man. It was a lot of horse riding, a lot of horse riding. For me, no horse riding. For you,
0: <laughs> yeah. for, you for taking chances with your roles, like I can't quite go, hey, this is a Tom role because you're like, sometimes it's dramatic. Sometimes it's centuries ago. Kudos to you on evolving with the role. So two quick questions and then I'm going to go let on. you go. And oh, the first one is, who is your favorite band? You mentioned the Beatles, you mentioned Rage Against the Machine, but do you have a favorite band or artist?
4: You know, just because I feel like they deserve to be recognized. This obviously like, you know, I grew up in the Northwest of England In like in my teenage years, started in the late 90s. I'm obviously going to be an Oasis fan. But like there's the Beatles, there's the Stones. There's, there's like, like my, one of my favorite guitarists is Paul Kossoff from Free. Like there's, so many, like there's so many avenues I could go through. But there's a band from Leeds that came out in like, the early noughties called The Music. Oh, yeah. And, Great band. They, 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 well, they're wicked. And they, just, they just don't seem to get... Um, I don't know. They're, they're one of the best bands I've ever seen live anyway. Uh, so just because I feel like they deserve to be to be heralded, uh, I'm gonna say the music, although I don't think they are actually my favorite band, but that's the answer I'm gonna give you.
0: Yeah, I mean, every now and then you have a band that you go, this is not my favorite band, but I'm just gonna obsessively listen to them only for three days. Like I just did that that's with the Afghan yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know the Afghan Wigs are not the best bands, but hey, I'm gonna to listen to them for just two days.
4: I'm gonna to listen to Van Halen for five days. But you know well the, the music the music made me go out and buy a line six amplifier that I think I used for about a week. but that in itself means they deserve to be recognized for sure. Outrocast.